Hey guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, sorry, again, we couldn't do it live this week um, due to a little bit of, um, well, let's put it this way, interesting administrative choices on uh, on BA's part. Uh, we're now leaving first thing in the morning as opposed to in the evening. So the plan was to do this early and then head off. Um, but the, the, the new plan is that it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So what we're going to be doing instead is running through this. Um, I pre-recorded it, as you can see bright daylight outside all lovely um uh, we'll record this first and then um for those of you obviously listening along on spotify um I'll, I'll be talking you through it as well so you should be able to follow along um but other than that we're just gonna treat it as normal um and then if you guys have any questions or anything that you need sorted before um before i do go off then then please let me know um obviously all ears um i will still be um, sort of checking in uh, over the next sort of week or so because I probably I'll be back in the gym on the 6th of June um, I will be checking in so don't um, you know don't think it's it's too much of you being abandoned um, but the you know if you if you have anything that needs attention then please let me know because that's the thing is that the main thing the most important thing to me is to make sure that everyone's getting what they need and everybody's winning okay so um, we will take a second We'll get started with the presentation. Um, and if you have any questions at the end of it, um, when you get to the end, then then please let me know. Also, any feedback, if you've listened to it, is also well, well, always nice to hear in terms of whether you think it was good, what you think was, what you think hit you like hard, what it is that you think you need to work on, um, and anything that you think potentially we might have missed or something we need to add into a future thing would be really good. So um buckle up um, and I will pretend like I haven't done this little ad-lib beforehand um, and then we're going straight into it because we're going to be uploading this onto the website too okay hello everybody thank you for joining me today what we're going to be talking about is meal hygiene which actually may not be something that you've heard of much before um i have to say it's not the most popular topic um out there in terms of what it is that people should be doing um and i think that to an extent i may have even coined this topic who knows? Um, this is kind of in my mind is a bit of an agglomeration of a bunch of different aspects of the psychology around eating that are all designed to help you to regulate your intake, um, regulate your calories in um, and regulate your um, your psychology around food more effectively. We have things like um, we have meal. So we have sleep hygiene where people are talking about things like pre-bed rituals, um, making sure that, you know, your caffeine consumption is good and all that kind of stuff. And I think this applies really nicely in terms of a concept of thinking, OK, so how is it that, you know, we're going to apply this um, idea of sort of tidying things up, cleaning things up to our meals? And how is it that we're actually going to make that um, how are we going to make that work? So today what you're going to learn essentially is all the tips and tricks that I have kind of accrued over the last decade or so. We've just actually recently just gone past a decade. So that's exciting. Um, last decade or so in the business. Um, and in, in terms of how it is that you can actually get yourself to be more controlled about your eating, um, help yourself to actually have a more balanced attitude and ultimately help yourself to maintain the progress that you want whilst being flexible. That's the main goal. None of this is specific. You must do this. You mustn't do this. This is all things of tips and ideas and how you can organize to make yourself more effective. But what we're going to do to start with, and I don't often do this, to be honest, but what we're going to do to start with is we're actually going to work out what we mean when we're talking about hygiene. So this is why I think that this particular word is, is applicable when we're talking about meal hygiene. So the definition, according to Google, um, is that conditions or practices conducive to maintaining health 
or preventing disease. Okay. And I think that that word applies really, really well to what it is that we're about to go through. So essentially what we're looking at is conditions and practices um, that allow you to regulate your energies in energy in so that you can maintain your health optimally and ultimately prevent disease and help yourself to feel as good as possible. We have far too much overeating, mindless overconsumption. Um, it's a real issue in our society these days. Um, something like 60 something percent of adults are obese. Um, the number of children is, is similar and it's going up faster than adults. And in a way to actually help us to control overeating and to make sure we're regulating our calories properly is really, really important. And it's actually fundamental to a lot of what we're trying to do together. So this couldn't be more important, really. It's fundamental. Um, it's something that we're, we're working on as a baseline level one, most important things that you need to be implementing for the rest of your life kind of thing. Um, this is not something that you pick up and put down. This is something that you want to be slowly working on and probably you will continue to be working on um, for the rest of your life in the same way that you should be thinking about exercising for the rest of your life. Eating in this fashion is something that I would suggest that you adopt as a standard going forward and as a bit of a non-negotiable. Um, and lastly, the thing that I've, I've observed about these things are there are some people that come to me who want to gain weight and struggle to lose weight. So want to gain weight and struggle to put it on. Okay. They find it very easy to lose weight. They're generally pretty slim. What's been found is not necessarily that people that are naturally slim eat better quality food, which is what, you know, general research would have you believe you would think, for example, they probably eat more vegetables and they don't eat as much processed food, don't drink as much, uh, or potentially it's not even that they're generally more active. A lot, you know, they can be very sedentary. The thing that makes a difference is actually people's eating style and their sort of willingness to, or their, so their subconscious bias towards doing these things that we'll be listing today. So essentially what we're going to be doing is giving you the secrets to how people stay slim, nat stay slim, nat stay slim naturally. It's difficult to say, probably not that difficult to say, how people stay slim naturally, all right? Which sounds very catchy, but it's the truth. It really is the truth. So that's what we're going to be doing today. I hope this um, is really useful for you. I hope you can get a whole load of value out of it. Um, but what we're going to begin to do is we're just going to quickly run through the problem and make sure that you really understand what it is that we're doing. All right. So the first thing is, is something that especially and we're, we're, we're targeting this at people that are kind of brand new. First thing I get all the time is I'm always hungry. OK, I'm always thinking about food Um I'm always thinking about the fact when my next meal is. I never really feel satisfied by food. Food. I've always got space for a little bit more, right? It's a really common thing. The second thing is cravings. So, for example, I have sweet cravings. I have salty cravings. I have crisp cravings, you know, things like I need to eat something crunchy or all sorts of things, you know, energy swings, energy sort of rises and dumps and, and your mood swings around food, getting hangry, you know, all of these things that people's, people's food attitudes are highly variable and it is constantly a question of wanting more and more and more. And this is, it's obvious as to why this is to an extent because we're surrounded by what people call hyperpalatable foods all the time. So things that are very high in saturated fats, things that are very high in sugar, salt, um, things that have been specifically designed in order to give us the best possible texture in our mouth, the best aftertaste, the most sort of Moorish flavors and, and textures that we could possibly have. It's 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 understandable as to why that might be the case. But at the same time, there are some people who manage to get by that. Other cultures do better than we do. 
And so what we want to do is we want to try and look towards that to try to work out what it is that we can do differently to make sure that we stand the best possible chance. All right. The last thing is that a lot of the time people feel demotivated around making changes because they almost feel like they are a slave to their food. They feel like they can't function properly without feeling like they're constantly chasing for their next meal, constantly feeling hungry, like we said, and constantly sort of going after those cravings and cravings. And it can be really, really demotivating. And it's a position that I know, at least when I've spoken to, the, to you at the beginning, a lot of you guys, this is a position that you can kind of identify with is that you feel like as much as I try to improve my food, as much as I try to feel, um, you know, to, to change and eat better quality and all that kind of stuff, I always end up coming back to old habits, which is very, very demotivating. So what we're going to do is we're going to offer you a different position, um, a different sort of perspective on what's going on. And I'm going to give you the three key principles of what I sort of would regard as sort of good meal hygiene, good food hygiene, um, and actually helping you to, to make those changes to begin with, okay? So the first thing that we're going to discuss, and possibly the most important and easiest to implement as well, is slowing down, okay? It's super duper common that people who struggle with overeating, struggle with maintaining their weight, struggle with actually losing weight, are people that eat really, really quickly, often the first to finish meals when they're at the table. Often, you know, comments are made about how quickly they're eating. You know, some people say things like, oh, you know, when I grew up, you had to eat or you didn't get fed and all these kinds of things. Whereas even if that was true, that certainly isn't the case now. We certainly don't live in an environment where food is at a sort of, is, is not difficult to find, okay? Calories are not difficult to find. In that sense, we're extremely lucky, but so far that we've actually gone the other way in the sense that but all the food abundance is hurting us. So what we wanna do is we wanna help you to find a way to slow down. Now, what I've done is I've put together, I've, I've referenced a few little studies just to give you an idea of what's going on. Obviously, this is not a systemic systematic review of all the studies. This is just some stuff which I've um, essentially cherry-picked. I'll allow you to say that, um, just to help demonstrate, okay? But I am fully aware that this is the general consensus of nutrition scientists. Um, and so these are just some examples of things that have gone on, all right? Um, I've referenced them as well so that you can see. Um, I've just put a little screenshot in there. So this is from um, the, ooh, the Journal of Nutrients, 2019 January, right? So... Um, basically eating speed and how it affects the amount of calories that you eat. So two groups were both given a 600 calorie meal. I think it was a pot of pasta in this instance. Um, and the first group were told that they had to finish the meal in six minutes, which was basically that was used as a reference for a normal meal time, which I think is probably about right. I think for most people, um, especially if they're in a rush or they're stroke or they're really, you know, um, you know, think about, for example, if you're eating a lunch at work or you're having a breakfast before you head out for the day or you're having a snack or something like that. Six minutes is actually, you know, that sounds pretty right. And the slow meal speed group were 24 minutes. OK, and that for me sounds much, much slower than the average person would eat a meal. OK, so we've got to bear that in mind. This is not necessarily a realistic thing, but this is a good way to show an example of, of how it can affect you. OK. The slow group had significantly better recall of what they ate, more on that later. And also they ate 25% less when they were offered food later in the afternoon. So they were offered snacks. So they ate 25% less food, which is a huge amount less. If you think about, if you scale that up 
it, this is it's not going to work like that. We all know or else it would be a magic. Right. But if you were to scale that up over the course of a year, if you ate 25 percent less food, you'd probably lose 100 pounds. Right. So the this has an enormous effect acutely to actually affect how much you eat. Now, why is that? The specific thing they focused on here was the fact that it focused on eating less later, not eating less in the time. So the people were given the same amount of calories. So that wasn't what they were testing. What this is essentially showing is, is it's the psychological effect of eating slowly. Because when you actually pay more attention to your food, so they noticed that the slower group had better recall of what they ate. When you actually pay attention to your food and you eat slowly and you actually appreciate it, it doesn't just scratch a physiological itch in terms of you feeling like you need to have eaten something. It actually also scratches a psychological itch, which is, means that you actually are getting that appreciation that you have eaten something. And so your appetite, which is your psychological desire to eat, as opposed to hunger, which is your physiological desire to eat, your appetite is sated. And so later on in the day, you don't feel the need to eat as much. And so you're less likely to snack, you're less likely to graze, you're less likely to give into cravings, and you're much less likely to go off track and much more likely to stick with what you would probably want to be doing. Okay, so that's the first thing to bear in mind. Eating more slowly will massively reduce your um, appetite overall and will massively increase your psychological society from what you eat. To give you some recommendations of what it is that you should do, I'd say first things first is I mean, this is something that I still have to work on. Okay, so I don't ever think that you, this this is a habit that one gets out of. This is a, the habit that you have to get into is checking yourself. Okay, well, maybe I just talk for myself, but that's my my specific sort of experience. So make it a habit that you're not going to be the first one to finish at a table. Okay, if you are regularly the first one to finish, try to get into the habit of thinking, okay, so I don't need to be the slowest. I just need to come second amongst all these other people. All right, that's that's kind of for me. That's a baseline. Okay, unless I'm meeting with a bunch of very slow people, that that would be the case. Think about people that are generally fussy eaters. People that are generally sort of quite slim generally tend to be more fussy with food they tend to eat more slowly and the opposite is true as well so again we're trying to kind of harness what do people who find it easy to control their calorie intake do and how can we try to to modify our own eating behaviors to make them align i'm not suggesting you leave half your plate push it around and all that kind of stuff but making sure that you're not eating it in six minutes is probably a good start right so the second thing to do is making time to eat now we all have the same number of hours in a day but at the same time, we all have vastly different responsibilities and different <laughs> demands on us in that 24 hours in a day. OK, so some of you will have much more on in the day than you would like. And as a result, eating comes down. What I would suggest that you do, if you're a six minute person, go for 10 minutes. If you're a 10 minute person, go for 12. Minutes. You know what I mean? Try to increase it gradually. Make some time to eat and actually give yourself the opportunity to eat more slowly. Focus on an easy meal. Dinner is usually an easier meal than breakfast. OK, or actually probably breakfast easier because you can't get up five minutes earlier just to eat your breakfast a bit more slowly. Um, but lunch tends to be a busy one. People tend to, to be have a lot on. It's kind of just like a, da, 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 eat it and then and then move on. Right. So if you feel yourself rushing to finish, then just stop. Take a breath. OK, you can just eat the rest at a more leisurely pace. You won't be perfect on it all the time. And from like a, a mindfulness kind of meditation kind of point of view, the thing I want you to think about is every time that you catch yourself rushing, that's good because that's an opportunity for you to practice eating slowly, right? You haven't failed. It's not like, um, you know, anything like that. It's just it's thinking it's 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 patterning that groove in your brain and making sure that you've got that um, that sort of 
that sorted, okay? The next thing to do is try putting a knife and fork down between mouthfuls. That's really important. Um, and if you're, and you know, things like using a teaspoon, if you've got dessert, um, making sure that you're eating foods that require a bit more chewing. So things like meat and vegetables tend to require more chewing than things like pasta and uh, soup, right? So all these things can be really useful and all these things can really help you to slow down. But it's really, really important that the first thing that you try and do is to make sure that you um, you slow down your, your, your eating speed, okay? Number two is to start eating meals, right? Now, this may seem fairly obvious, but what we're talking about here is eating meals versus snacking or what the scientists call grazing, okay? So in this little study that we found, um, the grazing was defined as eating more than three meals in a day, okay? Now, that doesn't matter how much you eat. That means that you have more than three distinct eating windows, throughout the day. Now, if you're saying that it takes you 10 minutes to finish your lunch, that means that you've got three 10 minutes, 10 minute windows a day, anything outside of that counts as grazing. Okay, so immediately, we're probably going to be talking to a lot of grazers, right? So the, what they found was that those who had three distinct meals ate around 200 fewer calories per day, right, which is a lot. And the most of significant effect was actually found when snacking was eliminated in the evening. Now, that will sound very, very familiar to a lot of you, because I think everybody can to some extent is on the same page as we tend to do more snacking and more overeating after work than before work put it that way evenings are definitely something to something to think about it's not it's not rocket science give yourself fewer eating opportunities and you will eat fewer calories but the critical thing here is we want to eat less like a cow grazing all the day and more like a lion which means that you eat you eat satisfaction and then you stop and then you wait for a bit all right. You allow your body to process it. You allow your body to restore back to normality. And then you go and you do it again. OK, I won't lean into any more about fasting or anything like that, because this is way beyond the scope of what we're doing. But the first thing to think about is if you're snacking and you want to lose body weight, you want to lose body fat, then you you do not want to you're, you're not doing it right. OK, so if I wanted you to gain weight, the first thing I tell you to do is eat five meals a day. In contrast, if I said you wanted to lose weight, you want to lose body fat cut it to three meals, no snacking. Okay. So little things that you can do to help make this a little bit easier, right? The first thing is, is to try to always make sure that you're sitting down when you eat, that gives you a clear, am I having a meal or not? Yes or no, um, kind of uh, perspective to your food. And it actually helps you to make better decisions more frequently. Okay. Um, think about eating cutlery, using a plate, try not to eat things out of the bag, try not to eat things sort of um, out of, you know, the, the packet or whatever, try to actually sit down and have a proper meal. I mean, you can kind of come up on your own with what constitutes a meal. For me, a meal is something that has, it has to have, a, it has to have a portion of protein. Um, it will also then probably have either a fruit or a vegetable. And as far as I'm concerned, if it's got that, then it's, it's a meal. All right. You tend not to snack on meat and vegetables, put it that way. Um, Ensure your environment is conducive to what you want to achieve. So try to eliminate snack foods. Try to make sure that you've got what, what's available prepped. Um, and lastly, do whatever you can to try and chew your calories. So drinks are not a good way for you to consciously consume calories. And it is a really, really easy way to overconsume. So wherever possible, try to, I would always recommend um, sort of ditch the caloric drinks. Shakes are okay, like super shakes, things with protein and vegetables and stuff all blended up, but really try and avoid the cal calorific drinks because that makes a big difference. That's things like Coke, that's things like juice, that's things like um, coffees with lots of milk in it, alcohol, that kind of stuff, okay? The third thing is 
to eat undistracted. Okay, so what we mean by eating undistracted is we mean that we're not doing anything else that takes up too much bandwidth. All right. So, for example, I don't believe for a second that you should eat by yourself in a padded cell in silence. Right. That's silly. But what I don't think that you should do is that you should do things like playing a video game, doing um, writing an email for somebody, you know, really sort of actual things that require any kind of brain power. Generally, try not to combine them with 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 um, with eating, because what happens is, as it was found by Dr. Robinson or whoever it is at the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, um, they found that basically distractions while eating do two things. The first thing they do is they moderately increase your intake at the time of eating. Now that only really applies if you have an unlimited amount of food in front of you, which for the most part, we don't because we buy an amount of food, we eat it and then we go on, right? So that for me is actually less the issue. What it does do is it, sub it substantially increases your desire to eat later in the day. Similar kind of thing. The same thing with the slowing down thing. It's if you have a distraction, it will essentially reduce your psychological satisfaction. It will keep your appetite elevated and you'll be much more likely to do that again. So researchers found that refreshing people on what they'd eaten lessened later desire to eat which is really important. So essentially what's happening is if you're distracting yourself from what you're eating, you're not registering that you have eaten something. And so your brain goes, well, you haven't eaten much today, have you? Best get on with it. Um, so this gives something that we can use to our advantage. So for example, to give you some recommendations, the first thing to think of is keeping a food journal. Okay. Now I don't believe in food journals in terms of you write down what you've eaten, you send it to me and I critique you. Because as far as I'm concerned, you kind of know what healthy food is and what healthy food isn't. And I also, I think once you've done something, unless you really don't understand what you're doing wrong, once you've done something, it's too late, it's over. Let's, I, I, wanna, I wanna see what your food plan is. I don't wanna see what your food journal is, right? But for your own benefit, to actually help to keep you on point, what you can do is you can keep a food journal and that will really, really help you to actually become more aware of what you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not rocket science, it makes perfect sense to actually keep you more aware of what you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis and also help you to regulate your psychological appetite so that you're less likely to want to overeat, you're less likely to have food cravings, you're less likely to feel hungry all the time and you're more likely to be able to stick on track with what it is that you should be doing or what it is that you want to be doing, right? So simple tasks are simply avoid the most, most stimulating activities while eating. That means things like making a dinner and eating at the same time while you're having a snack, okay? That means playing video games or whatever. That means doing your, doing your emails or creating a presentation or whatever while you're doing it. I think watching TV and eating is a bit of a dangerous one, but you'll have to, you'll have to do that one for yourself because people often give me the answer of, well, I, you know, I live alone or whatever and I eat alone. And to be honest, it's really sort of boring just sitting there by myself. All right, fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get you to do anything. Um, but this is something that you want to bear in mind. Do you think that this is the difference? Do you feel like what you do is you sit in front of the television, you eat dinner, then you go to the kitchen, you get something else to snack on, you come back and you continue, or is it that you actually are quite happy to sit there, eat what you have, and you know what, you don't have any problems with it? Just be conscious of where it is that you are at the moment, and then make that decision. I think things like talking to people has been shown that you know, it does more benefit to improve your relationship with food to actually sit and have meals at a table than it does to sit by yourself. So I don't think at any point you shouldn't be talking to somebody. 
Um, scrolling on your phone as well. I mean, it depends. It really depends. Um, I think I'd be, I'd be, I, well, I don't think I'd be absolutely lying if I told you I didn't ever look at my phone while I was eating my lunch at work. Um, but it's just something to be conscious of. If you feel like your cravings are getting out of control, if you feel like your um, your relationship with food is strained, um, and if you feel like you're struggling to make changes and implement them consistently, these are the kind of places that I would suggest that you look because these are the kind of places where you can get an easy win without having to have too much problem with changing your diet being and not being flexible and actually being able to continue to eat what you want enjoy your food and live your life okay so the main benefits of what we're talking about here are that you're going to become more sort of controlled and more level-headed around your food decisions because you're actually going to feel more satisfied both physiologically because you're eating more slowly and you're paying attention to your food and also psychologically, because you're actually having a proper proper meal, you're actually sitting down, appreciating it, enjoying it critically, and then moving on and moving on to the next thing. This is the foundation, as we've said, of everything that comes next with food. So everything that comes next, we're going to be talking about things like portion sizes, food quality, macronutrient splits, meal timings, you know, all these kinds of things, most of which we don't really need to address much if you get this right. If you just skip this and you think to yourself, oh, this is obvious, I can do this, then you're missing a trick. And actually, you've probably tried all the other more fancy stuff before, and it hasn't worked out because you haven't been able to stick to it. Without this, without this level-headed mindset, without this proper attitude to how to eat, I think that you really you really will struggle to stick to something long-term, all right? So this is a hugely powerful tool at your disposal, and this is something that I would absolutely implore you to make sure that is constantly something that you're working on, is something that you're, when you're journaling or when you're reviewing yourself or when you're talking to me, think about what it is that you're actually working on and where it is that you can continue to work on it, because this this never goes away, okay? You've got to be working on this forever, all right? So um, hopefully you got some great value out of that. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, that's all from me today. Uh, thank you very much for watching along, listening along. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Thank you.